Okay, well, uh, if you'd like to open up to Acts chapter 2, I'll just grab my water. And uh, we're going to continue our series. Um, just firstly, um, Sessions asked me to let you know that we have had some chaplains working in our church, uh, Danielle and David, uh, da- David and Erica, David, and, um, and now Andrew uh, is a chaplain at Collieambly in Ugali, so please be praying for Andrew with that. I hope also that you enjoyed... Um, Pastor Andrew Matthews last week, and I know that he he was in Griffith till late in the evening. So thank you uh, for everyone who um, showed them hospitality. That's lovely. Let's just pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We just do pray that you would be with us today as we look at this important passage and encourage us in your word. Amen. Well, uh, sometimes when I'm driving around Griffith, uh, I don't know about you, but um, I see this really cool sports car called a GT. Has anyone ever seen a GT driving around Griffith? Uh, There's quite a few of them, actually. Um, So apparently GT stands for Grand Touring or Grand Turismo, and the car is a Ford Mustang GT with prices that range from $63,000 all the way up to $119,000, which I think is the one that I see for the the top-of-the-range hatchback Mustang. So I see these cars driving around town here all the time. And you know, at times it's hard for me not to be jealous of those cars because one of our cars needs replacing. Um, One of our cars is an old bomb, an old Mazda 323, which is probably worth about 500 bucks or something like that. Um, Well, as we come to look at the Bible today, we're going to be thinking about a similar thing, thinking about things that are awesome or things that are second-rate. We're thinking about our Christianity and thinking, could it be like an awesome GT car or sometimes do we think it's a bit like a bomb Mazda 323 500 buck car? You see, how do you feel about your faith? Do you sometimes think that it's second rate? Sometimes that it might not be good enough? See, in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, do we have all we need... Or is there more that we should be searching for? big question I want to ask today is, how can I be fully equipped for life and ministry? How can we be fully equipped for life and ministry? And we're going to uh, have a look at uh, a few things. Firstly, the birthday of the church uh, from verses 1 to 13, when the New Testament church was born. Then we'll be going to Acts chapter 8 and thinking, how are we meant to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And then after that, going to John 7 and thinking, who should we go to in the end for the Holy Spirit? So firstly, the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 to 13. It's uh, such a huge passage in the Bible, isn't it? Such an amazing story. As, as Phil said, how amazing would it have been to be there when the sound of the rushing wind comes in, the tongues of fire come upon the apostles and they start speaking in, in other tongues and in other languages for people to understand. And can you imagine being there when the Holy Spirit first came upon the church? 
Let's have a closer look in chapter 2. We see in verse 1 that it was the day of, of Pentecost. Whoopsie, almost dropped my Bible there. The day of Pentecost. Pentecost was one of the big festivals in Israel. So um, there was Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, Pentecost. Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover and it was the festival for uh, celebrating the harvest. So we see the sound and the sight that happened on that day in verses 2 to 3. The sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. We think about the power of God that is represented in that sound coming. And in verse 3, they see what seemed to be tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. That amazing sight, fire was often associated with the presence of God in the Old Testament. And so here, God descends upon them by his spirit and rests on each one of them. And then we see in verse 4, the speaking of tongues. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so we notice that these were different languages of the people who were in Jerusalem on that day so that they could hear the gospel being preached. Think about the Tower of Babel where God comes down and disperses the languages to millions of languages. But here on the day of Pentecost, he comes and he makes the languages known again so that people can hear the gospel preached, so that the gospel can go out to the nations Then we see the responses of the crowd there in Acts chapter 2 as well. In verse 6, we see they come together in bewilderment. And wouldn't you have been bewildered and confused when you hear them speaking in your own language? We see in verse 7, they are utterly amazed at this. And in verse 12, their reaction continues. They're amazed and perplexed by these events. But some in verse 13 uh, think it's a bit of a joke and that the apostles are just drunk and they've had too much wine. So this is when the Holy Spirit first came on the birthday of the New Testament church. A few few weeks ago, it was uh, lovely that uh, Mel threw me a surprise birthday and thank you for everyone for coming and consuming the cupcakes. It was a lovely surprise. But here we have the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. The New Testament church began on this day when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ, the church, was born. You see, do you believe in the church, in the power of the church? Uh, some of the great theologians of the past have believed in this. They, they quipped a phrase that is this, we, we cannot know God as our father if we will not also know the church as our mother. Now that might sound a bit strange initially, but it's talking about how important the church is to the life of a Christian. You see, friends, do we uh, know that in our life, the importance of church? 
thinking about my own life, I was a, a shy uh, young fella, the age of 16 or 17, and uh, got involved in the youth group at Cronulla Presbyterian Church in Sydney. And the church became my mother in a sense. It, it, it developed me as a person and as a Christian. The, um, the youth group kids were like my brothers and sisters. Uh, the, uh, the older people in the church, like my adopted parents. The church taught me interpersonal skills about how to relate to people and how to have a conversation. But it also taught me Bible skills and, and trained me in the ways of the Bible. It's wonderful what the church can do in our life and in the life of our kids. It's so important, guys, to, to make church a big part of our life and to never give up on it. Know the importance of church in our life and the life of our kids. It will be a means of grace for them to grow in Christ. And so this is a challenge for us, isn't it? If this is so important, then we need to make sure that we're offering the right ministries for adults and for children so that they might be blessed by the church. So will you commit yourself to a lifelong involvement in God's church? Here we see the, the first moment of the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them with power, and in a sense, they were baptised with the Holy Spirit. But we need to ask then, well, how are we to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? How are we to receive it? And we'll, in a moment, we'll go and have a look at Acts chapter 8 and have a think about that. But there is a movement in some churches and in some uh, Christian preachers called uh, a second blessing theology or that we need a second baptism of the Holy Spirit to really be a true, strong Christian. Some churches and some church leaders will say you might receive the Spirit when you become a Christian, but until you have this second blessing of the Holy Spirit in power, which happens sometime after you're a Christian, that you're not really bona fide. I wonder if you've heard that before. If not, it is a view that some people take. And they take that view from places like Acts chapter 8. So would you turn with me to Acts chapter 8 and verse 14 as we try and figure this out. You see, as normal Christians, have we got the fullness of the Spirit or do we need some further experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be authentic? Uh, the context of Acts 8 is the gospel has gone out from Jerusalem out to Samaria and you know the direction in Acts, it's going out to the ends of the earth. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 8 verse 14. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, why is it that the fullness of the Spirit hadn't yet come upon them? 
and that they needed this extra experience to their conversion to truly receive the Holy Spirit. Is that the same for us as well? You see, when you became a Christian, did you receive the fullness of the Spirit or are you still waiting for some extraordinary event where the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power? Some churches say that's meant to happen when you start speaking in tongues. So when we become a Christian and we get the Holy Spirit, is that enough for us or do we need some extra crazy full-on experience of God. I'm going to argue that we don't, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we first believe, but let's keep exploring it. You see, as we look at Acts chapter 8, you know, they became Christians, but then they still needed the apostles to come and to give them the Holy Spirit. So how are we to make sense of that? Well, in the uh, Reformed Evangelical tradition that I have trained in, we would say that these strange bits in Acts where the Holy Spirit seems to come at different points, like in Acts 8 and Acts 10 and Acts 19, when the Spirit descends upon people at random moments, it's not some second blessing thing that they needed. It's just more geographical in the book of Acts. It's the gospel proceeding out in the book of Acts geographically and as it reached Samaria and Ephesus and the Gentiles with Peter in chapter 10, then they have their own spirit experience. But it's not, it's not prescriptive, it's just descriptive. This is not prescribing extra ways for us to receive the Spirit. It's describing the Holy Spirit's progress to the ends of the earth in the book of Acts. I know this is a lot to take in, but hopefully by the end of the talk it'll make sense. You see, uh, when I was uh, living in Cronulla, I went for a walk down on Cronulla Beach on the rocks there. It's quite a, a pretty spot. And I ran into this family who said they were missionaries to Australia. They'd come from America and they, they were missionaries to us. And then they proceeded to tell me that I needed to speak in tongues in order to be a Christian. In a sense, it's this similar second blessing thing I'm talking about, that my Christianity wasn't good enough, but I needed to speak in tongues in order to be a Christian. Friends, this is not the picture the Bible gives us of the Holy Spirit truly coming into our lives. Because the Bible tells us that we're more like the Christians in Acts chapter 2, in fact the 3,000 who were converted in Acts chapter 2 at the end there, and what did they do? They simply repented and believed in Jesus and they received the Holy Spirit. That's what it's meant to be like for us. You see, when we repent and believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. We have the full Christian experience we have the fullness of the Spirit in our lives from the moment we become a Christian. We don't need some extra second experience of him. He's fully in our lives when we believe. So live in the confidence that God dwells in you and you're not missing out. And go into life and ministry knowing that God's Spirit is with you and empowers you for Christian service. 
So we've seen the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2 and then thinking about how we're to receive the baptism of the Spirit when we first believe. But thirdly, I want us to think about who should we go to in the end to receive the Holy Spirit? And the point is that we come to Jesus, the baptizer, the, the one who baptizes us in the Spirit when we believe. Come to Jesus, the baptizer. We're going to look, pick this up from John chapter 7. So would you turn to John chapter 7 and verse 37, please? John chapter 7 and verse 37. So in, in John 7, uh, Jesus is at another one of Israel's great feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a feast that in a sense was associated with, with celebrating um, spiritual water and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus stands up and makes a speech. What an amazing moment it would have been to be there as well. Have a look at verse 37, John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we see there in, in those verses that Jesus calls people to come to him to receive this living water, which John then tells us is the Holy Spirit living within us. The Lord Jesus is the dispenser of the Holy Spirit to the church. And on Acts chapter 2, on day of Pentecost, it was Jesus who poured out the Spirit upon the church. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a cool little uh, implement called a Pez dispenser that would pe uh, dispense Pez candy uh, to all those sugar-hit little kids who would enjoy it. Jesus is the Holy Spirit dispenser. He is the one we go to to receive the Spirit. You see, why not come to that great dispenser of the Spirit, to Jesus, to the one who gives and it never ends? The Lord Jesus Christ dispenses the Holy Spirit upon us all. Have you received the Holy Spirit from Jesus Christ? If you are a Christian, you have. And the Spirit will now give you power for the Christian life. You see, if you're a Christian, God himself has come to live inside you and he makes you a new person. He makes you a new creation by his spirit. By his spirit in you, he gives you power for change in the Christian life. There's a book written by a guy called Tim Chester, which is called You Can Change. And it's talking about how God can change us can help us to put off our old ways. He can help us to become more like Jesus. You see, with the Holy Spirit in you, you can change. Do you believe in it? Do you believe and know that new power for change that is in your life? 
It's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can help you curb that anger. The Spirit can help you get rid of that bitterness in your heart. The Spirit can guide your eyes and your mouth to godliness. You can change to become more like Jesus. Friend, let the Holy Spirit grow you to be more like him. Live more for the way of Jesus through the power of the Spirit. Let him grow you in God's word and into the image of Christ. So friends, we see that with the gospel and with the Holy Spirit, we've been given so much. But I wonder if still you might ask the question, have I really been filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Do I really have the full version of Christianity? Do I have the GT car? Or am I stuck with the $500 Mazda? What kind of Christian faith have you got? The full one or the dodgy, not so good one? Friends, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. He comes upon us when we believe in Jesus. You see, we now can be fully and forever equipped to walk the Christian life because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You can rejoice in the fullness of complete Christian experience. You are a supernaturally enabled person with the Spirit in you. And so what happened to the Christians at Pentecost is also our experience. We repent and believe in Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit. just want to share with you about a friend of mine called Jason Forbes. Uh, Jason has cerebral palsy and he has quite a, a serious version of it. Uh, he's difficult to understand when he speaks and he has a limp when he walks and, and things like that. But he's not just Jason Forbes, he's the Reverend Jason Forbes. He's a minister of the Presbyterian Church. He has a Master of Divinity. He's probably better qualified than I am. You see, he fully knows Jesus he is fully equipped by God's Spirit. He is filled with the Spirit. He is fully equipped by the power of the Spirit. And so his job at the moment is to be the disability minister for the Presbyterian Church. It's an important role as an advocate in our denomination. But he is a man filled with the power of the Spirit. Could that be you as well? It is you if you have believed in Jesus. You see, are you conscious of the Holy Spirit living within you? Do you show enough confidence in the Spirit? Do you live out this truth of being a supernaturally enabled person? Friend, if you're a Christian, you can live the Christian life knowing the fullness of God is in you by his Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for pouring out your spirit upon the church. We thank you that you are with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you have remade us and are remaking us into the image of Jesus. Lord, help us to believe in your spirit and to trust in him and his power as we live the Christian life. And by the power of your spirit, may we share Jesus with others and see the spirit bring them to faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.